0: Well, 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 lots of volatility has hit the markets and we're here to cover it on the trade-off show. You know, we're gonna be going through all these setups and all these developments that are unfolding in front of our eyes and hopefully you're trading screens at home. We have one week left without Westy, but don't worry, Michael Brown's here. And we're going to cover all of these topics that you see here on the screen. But if you love these shows and you think they're great in setting you up and giving you good trade ideas throughout the course of the week, make sure you give us a big thumbs up and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of this exclusive content right here on the Mm trade-off. Well, traders, welcome back. My name is Blake Morrow. And like I said, we have one week left without Mr. Weston, but he's going to be here next week. So we're all super excited to have him back. But in the meantime, we brought back the one and only Michael Brown from the UK trade off show. Michael, how are you? Good to see you today.
1: Hello, mate. I'm very well. Good to be back. I'm uh, a little bit worried about how excited you are that you're going to be able to get rid of me next week and get your old mate Westy back. I I mean, I thought I had a special place in your heart after last week's performance, but you know, clearly not me.
0: I can't wait. You notice I didn't wear a tie next week. I'm not even going to have a jacket. The next week I'm going to be wearing a a t-shirt. So you know, I'm just gonna. I'm dressing down for the inevitable. No, it's. It's been a lot of fun, Michael. You know, I, I. I've. Over the years, I want to say years now, I've really enjoyed... Um, our time together, uh, talking about the markets and breaking everything down. So I am going to miss you, but I know you're not going to miss these late nights filming. these.
1: (laughs) No, absolutely not. But uh, yeah, as you say, it's been good fun. And uh, I think there must be a correlation between us doing things together and market volatility going through the roof, because to say it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, particularly in equities and particularly in, in rates over the last five days or so is is probably an understatement at this point. That
0: is. It has been crazy. We've seen, as you pointed out, you've seen rates move. You've seen the equity markets. I don't want to say implode, but boy, we've had some pretty decent moves and the dollar uh, complimentary complimentary, to all of these moves. And um, gosh, let's let's just break it all down and let's get into uh, Topical Thunder. What say you? Absolutely. Let's go. Well, uh, let's start with uh with the um the 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 first topic of rates since we we're going to go there anyway Michael. And you know, this is a interesting topic I think because if you look at most central banks, at least the G10 central banks and most central banks even following that, uh, we're probably really close to our terminal rate. Give or take a a quarter basis point up or down. You know, you start talking Latam currencies maybe a little bit more aggressive, but we're pretty close to where central banks think they need to be, at least in the near term. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it's now starting to look at the divergences in where these central banks and where expectations of not only, you know, traders like ourselves, but also economists and, 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 and listening to the words of, of all these central bank speakers and, and figuring out exactly where rates are going to be going next. But data, as far as data goes, you know, it's like, do we do we still look at inflation data? Or is it going to be more important to look at growth data? Are we going to be looking at employment data? And does it vary based on different, you know, regions of the world that we're looking at? And and, and I'm going to pose that question to you. Like, what are you focused on? But first, I'll just say that, you know, some of the thing that something that I've learned over the years, uh, you know, and about twenty years in, in the spot market is uh, is growth really starts with employment, and and I think the employment picture is obviously going to be really critical in the U.S. moving forward because that's going to feed into inflation, it's going to feed into sentiment, it's going to feed into consumer spending. So that's kind of where I'm starting. Is I'm I'm, I'm going to you know keep a, a very close eye on the U.S. jobs report, but also. Around the globe as well, but how about you? Where where is your focus going to be moving forward?
1: No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I actually uh, spoke about this with with Ryan Littlestone, your mate, and mine, on on the trade off UK this week, and we were talking about the the labor market, particularly in the US, because we've all been waiting what eighteen months now and saying, you know, it's got to roll over at some point, it's got to start loosening at some point, point. and. It just keeps going and going and going. I mean, you know, job creation at two hundred thousand a month, jobless claims at two hundred thousand a week. It's just solid print after solid print. So, I think the two things I'm looking very, very closely at are firstly inflation—not headline inflation, but core inflation. Do we see that continuing to come down? Because I think going from five to three percent is going to be a lot quicker than going from three to two percent on those core inflation measures, and that's what central banks are watching. So it's what you and I need to watch and what traders need to watch as well. And the other thing is growth. I mean, uh, Chair Powell said very, very clearly last week and other Fed policymakers have said so um, in the intervening period, they need to see below trend growth in order to bring inflation back to target. And until they start to see that coming through, GDP starting to slow, the pace of the economic expansion starting to roll over, then policy is gonna have to remain restrictive. So I think the question now is not, do we go any higher? I don't think we do. Maybe the Fed give us one more, 25 bips or not, as you say, doesn't really matter. The question is, how long do we stay here? And that's why you've seen this real sell-off in the the long end of the Treasury curve and the the long end of, of curves here in Europe as well, because markets are pricing in the longer bit of that higher for longer guidance, and that's what ultimately has has roiled the equity space over the last week as well, as as that message has finally sunk in. You know, um, it, it's it's a it's a topic that we could actually spend a lot longer than just you
0: know, three or five minutes talking about, uh, especially when you talk about labor and you talk about rates and where we're going. Uh, I do want to just give some, since I'm am boots on the ground here in one of the major metropolitan areas here in the uh, United States, I- I'm just going to give you some personal experience. People that I know, the, the the younger working crowd, that's more of a professional working crowd, those jobs aren't readily available. And if they are, they're very hard to get. Um, but mm. you take like my my kids that are, are uh, teenagers and working, they can get a job whether it's a Chipotle or McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or any of these fast food restaurants, they can, they can go around and get any job that they want. So it's really the quality of jobs, nuts, and those are the ones that we need to be watching moving forward. But anyway, I know we need to move along. So uh, like I said, it's a great topic and something that I think every trader needs to be focused on. All right, what's next?
1: Absolutely, Oh, what's next? pantomime season is, is what's next, Blake. I'm, I'm loathe to talk about it, but I have to bring up uh, US politics on the show uh, this week because we seem to be about to go through the whole charade of shutting down the government once again. Um, the uh, the lawmakers on Capitol Hill have got until this weekend. I think the, the deadline is midnight Eastern time on Saturday to get a funding deal cobbled together to try and keep the government open. Um, at this point in time, it, it doesn't really look like they're going to get that done. It it does appear that we're going to have some sort of shutdown, however brief that may be. Now, I think the important thing here is not the question of does this get resolved and does the government reopen? Because we've seen this movie hundreds of times before. We all know it gets resolved eventually and the market will probably look through it. I think the bigger questions are firstly, what does it do to growth? Because for every week that the government is shut down, obviously the government is not spending and the employees of the government are not getting paid. So you'll probably see a drag of between one and two tenths of a percent off GDP for every week that the shutdown goes on. And when you add to that the strikes that are going on, both in terms of uh, Hollywood and also the auto workers, and uh, throw into the mix the student debt repayments that are coming back as well, you're looking at Q4 GDP being pretty soggy, I would imagine. And the other thing, and this is what I want to get your thoughts on, Blake, we were just talking about economic data. Well, if the government shuts down, all of the stats agencies have no funding. So the jobs report on the 6th of October, the CPI number on the 12th of October, that may not happen. We, we may not get that data. And that would leave markets flying blind. And more importantly, the Fed flying blind into the November policy decision. So what do you think that all means? I, I would imagine that that's the the final nail in the coffin for the idea of a November hike if, if we've got no data by then. So I'm going to ask Alex if we can have um, Alex. This is that would be a joke
0: for a a, a, tele, a game show. Uh, Alex, I'd like more than five minutes, please, uh, to talk about this subject. Anyway, no one else has got that joke, but it's okay. Uh, we're all going to laugh internally and pretend it's funny, um, you know. But the topic that we're going to talk about—the U.S. government shutdown—is actually not funny. And actually, what you're discussing is really important because it really is going to come down to: Is there going to be a uh, some sort of stopgap funding bill? That's going to be passed uh, that, that both sides can agree to while they cobble together some sort of you know budget agreement moving forward because nothing that you're you're exactly right nothing looks like it is going to pass the way it looks right now and I haven't focused a lot today on on um, on the government shutdown because I've kind of faced the music that it is going to happen what's well, going to be the market outcome which we're obviously going to be talking about a lot of setups but more importantly is if they can pass a funding bill to to at least you know get us some of the services that me uh, that we as market participants are going to need from the BLS you know yeah. and you're right it's like uh, okay so uh we are the were there a good jobs report and are we going to have to just be really backward looking in a in a month or two which could very realistically happen um the 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 question's going to be for us michael is what's the response going to be in the markets and i think that's where the trade-ups that we the trade Setups that we talk about today are really going to come into play. So, really big topic, and you're right. We're a couple of days away to, you know, the world ending. Just kidding. It's not. Really <laughs> That's
1: what folk on Twitter would have you believe. But the That's world's right. not going to but... end. The, the dollar's not going to die. It's <laughs> just a bit of political to and fro.
0: It is. It's a lot of political hubbub, but it could, as you 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 succinctly put could leave, leave us a little blind moving forward. So um, let's talk about like the next topic. And <laughs> yeah, you, you gave me a little bit of a hard time pre, uh, pre-recording this show about- this <laughs> I was hoping topic. you
1: weren't going to mention that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing, Michael, and, and this is where, where traders really, as you know, this is a, obviously a trading show as the trade-off is both the, the UK and the Australian version. You know, you get to a point where markets have moved where you have to take a take a step back and say, okay, do I join this move, this direction that we've been trading? Um, do I have good risk reward? And you know, it, oh, for me, it's it's always that question of is the market strong enough for me to fade? Because if if I feel that it's kind of been a weak move, I'll, I'll trade both sides of the market, which I, I'm very well known for doing, and so is most traders that we know. Um, but the flip side is if the trend is too strong, but it's overbought or oversold, and in this case, if you're talking about equities, they might be oversold, do you, do you keep selling or do you wait for some sort of uh, uh, tactical bounce to get short and then, in, and if you do wait for that, is the trade ever gonna come? So these are the really tough questions that we all are asked as traders. Hopefully you found yourself on the right side of the move over the course of the last couple of weeks and hopefully we've played a part in that as a, as a show. Um, here at the trade-off, but at the same time, now we are where we're at. Do you trade with the trend, or you start trading counter trend? How do you, how do you, how do you come to those conclusions, Michael? <laughs>
1: Well, no, it's, it it is a very a very very good point, and it is a very wide ranging topic. I, I mean, I think th- this is an opportune time to be discussing it because you think you know the S and P has come down what six percent over the last quarter. The the dollar has rallied for eleven weeks in a row, and and the the, the pace of the sell off in in Treasuries as well has has just been quite frankly relentless. Um, I actually said at the start of the week, I, I said this to to Ryan, and I also said this to to uh, some clients internally that. You know, we were looking at the S&P 500. I think we were trading just shy of 4,400 at the time. And I was saying, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to chase this lower. In in hindsight, that did turn out to to be the the wrong perspective. But as you say, the, the risk reward was, in my view... I'm looking to to be long, I'm looking to take on risk, but this isn't a level where I'd want to do it. If we get above 4,400 or we test 4,200, then I may do so. But right now I'm happy to sit on the sidelines, wait and see what pans out. And I think this is where discipline is is really important for for traders of all experience levels. It's having your core thesis and idea around where you think the the assets you trade are going to go. If you trade through a, a, a technical lens, having the levels marked up on your chart that you're looking for for price to get to and, and see how we react there, and then waiting for us to get there. Don't go chasing things and don't go looking for, for moves that perhaps don't exist. We are seeing volatility pick up across the board. I mean, the, the VIX is Currently at 18, earlier in the week, we were at our highest since mid-August on a closing basis, the highest since May. So we are starting to see some of these big moves take shape. The key is protecting your capital so that when the moves do take place, you're able to take advantage of them and you can actually get into the market at at an opportune time and not trying to chase things and, and force things when perhaps they're not really there
0: you know um i think you bring up uh, so many great points that, that that i'm glad that you brought them all up and and the other thing that i also think about is the sizing you know if you're unsure there's there's two things you can do when you're unsure pay take down your position sizing to where it's small where you can you can have a wider stop loss so you can sustain some volatility and then also no trade is also a good trade sometimes so yeah absolutely Cash is a position, as you might, might, might have heard. Um, All right. Well, that was, that was my topic that I thought we should discuss, especially after having, and you know, that 6% move in the S&P, most of it came over the last three weeks, which is, wow. And it's still coming. And it's still coming, yeah. All right. I know we need to move along, so.
1: Right. I want to look at some of next week's central bank decisions. The RBA and the RBNZ both due up. The RBA on Tuesday and the RBNZ on Wednesday, both horrifically early in the morning here in the UK. Um, I think the message from both is going to be pretty much the same as the rest of the G10 central banks, focusing on how long they spend at their current levels with terminal now having been reached, rather than whether they're going to hike anymore. The market does price about a one in three chance that the RBA go again in the November meeting, after a hotter than expected inflation print for August. But with most of that being driven by energy, I don't really see much of a chance that they tighten policy significantly further. Again, I think as we discussed earlier, the the focus now is shifting to the duration of time they spend at terminal. And then by extension, who loosens policy first? Who delivers the first cut? And to this end, I must give a a little bit of a tip of the hat to Adam Linton over at Newsquark, who raised the very good point that the RBNZ were the first to end their tightening cycle back in April, what, six or seven months ago now. So very, very quickly, they could have spent 12 months in restrictive territory and perhaps even be looking to loosen rates and the first G10 central bank to do so. So, Blake, you asked me a difficult question earlier on. I'm going to ask you a difficult one now. Um, Which central bank do you think is going to be the first to cut rates? And for a bonus point, when do you think they're going to do it?
0: Well, <laughs> well they're they're going to do a march of 2024. I mean, of course, you know, that's exactly the, the date I was thinking in my head. You know, that is a that's a great question and the, the answer is I don't know and the reason why I'm going to say is the variable big variable is going to be China. You know, we've both obviously Australia and New Zealand um huge trading partners with uh with with China and China's done uh a lot of stimulation taking a lot of measures, but in small quantities, but massive amounts of it. And I think that's one of the things that are keeping the Auss- Aussie and the Kiwi dollar against the dollar so steady where they're at and where they've been for the last, let's just call it month, is uh, I think everybody's trying to see if if these measures are going to actually kick in and help the Chinese economy, therefore trickle over to the uh, Australian, New Zealand economy. So you know, I, I don't I I wish I had an answer because I obviously don't. But the great news is, is the technicals show really tight consolidations, both in the Australian dollar and the Kiwi dollar, meaning both of those against the, the U.S. dollar. But um, more importantly, the, you, you're gonna be able to see them matched up one against the other here shortly as, uh, as we're gonna talk about that in one of the setups. So make sure you guys and gals all stick around for that. But um, you know, Michael, that, that poses a really good question you, that, uh, that um, New Squawk, the gentleman at Newsquawk Squawk said about uh, New Zealand. Is it really a, a measure of how long a central bank stays at what you could consider their new neutral or a new uh, you know, terminal rate? And, and is that really a, an appropriate measurement, uh, you know, how long that, that they keep their stance tight, you know, and I, and I think it's to be seen, but I'm not sure that that is what I'm going to be looking at as far as like, oh, you know, it's been 12 months since they've, since they've uh, raised or started raising rates, since they stopped raising rates. So they're, they're due, they're due to cut. No, 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 know. I, I and, agree.
1: You, you, know, you certainly can't be using time on, on its own. But I think yeah. the the thing to to remember is the more time that's elapsed, the more time tightening has had to sink into the yeah. economy, the more of those lagged effects have taken place. And on a relative basis, those lagged effects are coming through earlier in New Zealand, for example, than you might expect to see in the UK or, or in the States.
0: That is a very, very good point. So maybe the measure should be from when the central bank started raising rates versus where they, they stopped raising rates. Because you're, you, you know, the the staying at staying at neutral for a central bank is a de facto tightening, especially if they're letting some of the balance sheet roll off too. So, you know, it's it's going to be tricky. And I'm going to say this before we move move along to the setups that really have our attention here, is that I think economic books that you learn from and the ones that I've studied from over the years are going to be changing after what's happened over the last five years or so. Absolutely, um, maybe, maybe 13 out. years, right? <laughs> Everything's getting rewritten right now. 100%, should we get into some charts? Let's do it, let's jump into, uh, that's a setup. Dude, I almost forgot what my first setup was here, and I forget that I have, I have to do. I have to be the first one to do this, uh, and, and I'm not going to get used to it, which is good news because Westy will be back this next week. So, um, you know, my first setup is going to be gold, and you and I had a little bit of an exchange, but I think that was great fodder for a conversation that we could have right now about gold and. Um, I just want to throw out there. First of all, gold technically is in this descending wedge. You can see that red trend line that has been we've respected it for quite some time now. Uh, and if you've if you're you're not new to this show, you've seen this chart before because we've discussed it. I also blogged about it a couple of weeks ago, looking for a turn lower into new trend lows, uh, and we just you know pierced that today at 19 or uh, excuse me at uh, 18 1895 or 1885 excuse me but the trend line comes just below it we got a couple of fib levels below that um, basically what i'm trying to say is there's a lot of support down here and it's it's questionable whether you want to you know go long and and take it for a long trade because you know that your risk is fairly manageable flip side is if it does break below you know that that uh, that 78% retracement you could probably see some accelerated selling but this is where i wanted to get your take michael because um, one of the things that i've been discussing is if we do have a government shutdown the dollar may gain strength but also i think assets like gold could also gain strength just as a as a risk aversion type of hedge if you will so what are your thoughts on gold here because the rates market obviously is it the tail
1: wagging the dog or the wag Dog wagging the tail. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting one, actually. Gold. I mean, it 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 seemed today, Wednesday, to finally wake up to the fact that the dollar's just been charging higher, and that treasuries have been selling off relentlessly across the curve for a week. And go, oh, maybe we shouldn't be trading above $1,900 an ounce. Um, You know, bearing in mind those factors, you know, nominal yield screaming higher, real yield screaming higher, the dollar screaming higher. I, I really cannot see much going for gold at this point, in in all honesty. Um, if you want a haven, then why not buy the dollar? And why not, if you even want to go into bonds, why not buy two-year treasuries with a five five 5.5% yield? That would be, to me, much, much more attractive. I think the for, for a more medium-term view, at the very least, I think the opportunity cost of holding gold is just far too high at this point. But maybe if we get back above $1,900 an ounce, that, that equation changes a little bit. But I think if you're after safety there's there's better harbors to to seek that in at the moment
0: all right and and one just one thing that i'm looking at guys and gals the the breakdown below 1885 that was a big deal today but if we can get back above that especially back above 1900 then you get a false breakdown and a reversal so that's something that i'm actually queued up on looking at on this
1: setup so what do you got for your first setup michael (laughs) What I have, Blake, is something a bit different and something that may make people scream given how ugly the chart looks. But I promise you it makes sense. So I'm looking at the yen, first of all. And the reason why I'm looking at the yen is because it seems like every man and his dog or maybe every person and their dog these days is sitting here waiting for the Japanese authorities to step in and intervene to try and prop up the value of the yen. Um, Everyone on the sell side has been screaming about 150 for weeks in dollar yen. And well, at the time of recording, I think we're about 50 pips away from that. Um, the, the truth of the matter is no one really knows what the Japanese authorities are watching when they come to the decision of, do we intervene or do we not intervene? Are they looking at spot yen against the dollar, the euro, the Chinese yuan? Are they looking at a trade weighted index of the yen? Are they looking at volatility? Or are they looking at you know a mix of all of them? And that's why I've put together this range of indicators so what we've got here is dollar yen, euro yen, uh, yen against the CNY, uh, CNH, sorry. And then the bottom two gauges, are the most important, because what we're looking at there is one week and one month implied Japanese yen volatility. And this is really, really key, because if you look at what the Ministry of Finance have done previously, and when they've stepped into the market previously, it's not been because we've breached a certain psychological big figure. It's been because we've seen volatility go through the roof, and they've been able to describe that as a disorderly market. If you look at what's going on now, dollar-yen above its prior intervention levels, same with the euro, same with the Chinese yuan, One week and one month volatility have not really budged anywhere off the lows. And I think that is probably what's keeping the authorities on the sidelines. So for now, given that yields are moving higher, given how bullish I am on the dollar and given that the BOJ seem as far from ever from tightening things up, unless we see a big pickup in volatility, I'm happy to to remain long the yen, and that big pickup in vol will be my warning sign that actually intervention could be close, and that's the time to close out yen shorts. So keen to get your views on on the yen and, and on what that that big mix of charts may present to you, Blake.
0: Well, I'll just make it simple. If the dollar yen sees one fifty five overnight and then back down to one fifty, right. that means vol spikes. That means we buy yen. There we go. Da, da, there we da, we go. Close, the no uh, actually one of my colleagues um, and, and actually Ryan Littlestone's colleague as well um, from from the Forex analytics side he brought up a great point today uh, just because we were talking about end of month flows and they're they're all all the banks are reporting dominant US dollar buying coming in a lot of those flows fixings are getting done right now midweek but if you're the bank of Japan and you're very well aware of this and you know that the dollar yen is going to probably you know surpass 150. Do you wait until you get past the end of the week, end of the month, if you were just on the verge of, of intervening, which is a great question. So I, I think you know there's a lot surrounding this 150 level, but I don't think a one, 150 is, I, I've been planning on selling there for a long time up at these levels, like for the last several weeks. I took myself a little bit of it today, but I also am very well aware that it can go a lot higher than where it currently is. So you got to trade position size accordingly. In a situation like this, and and I agree with you. 100, uh, 150 on the dollar yen, is just a number. And volatility is probably where you should be
1: cued in on right now. So absolutely, one to watch very very closely. I think.
0: Great point. Great point. Well, the the next the next tr- setup I wanted to bring was the Aussie New Zealand. Now this came from Casey Trader, uh, and and thank you very much. And by the way, I need to say Casey, thanks for. Thanks for writing in your question. And he wanted to see more of the Aussie in the New Zealand. So we thought we'd just lump them together and give you the Aussie Kiwi. So, uh, but I just wanna throw this out there for those of you that wanna see a specific instrument, make sure you jump in those comments down below. Let us know what you wanna see and we're gonna to try to get to it. Westy, he's really, really big on this. So make sure you jump down there right now after this analysis, actually after Mike's analysis, actually after we've done watching the whole video. so.
1: eventually leave a comment
0: yeah and you have to leave a comment too all right so the aussie kiwi you'll notice there's a 618 retracement that comes in right around horizontal support right above 107 so this 107 level i think is going to be a really big do we or don't we above or below it 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 makes for a really nice neutral zone so if you want to be on the long side as long as we trade and close above 107 i think you can pivot you know to a long aussie short kiwi bias. We start breaking below that. Then you have to be laser focused on around the one Oh six level that has, that's a multi-year trend line that comes in from the post COVID lockdown lows that goes all the way through all those lows. That's where really critical support comes down. So if it does break through one Oh seven, you want to take it for a nice little ride back down to one Oh six. I think that's a good setup for a short. So that's what I think about the Aussie Kiwi. You have any comments here, Michael on this pair in particular?
1: Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I actually like this higher over the, the medium term, to, to be honest. Going back to, to the point we were making, I think the, uh, the, 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 the difficult thing with the Aussie-Kiwi is to liken it to something close to home. It's a little bit like Euro-Sterling. You're dealing yeah. with two very, very similar economies, two very, very similar policy stances from central banks. And when you're then trying to trade that in the FX world, there's not that much of a divergence to exploit. But a Occasionally there is, and that's when you see a really big move. So, as with Euro Sterling, Aussie Kiwi can just go sideways for a very, very long period of time, and then all of a sudden we move in one way or another. And I think that might be what we're in danger of seeing here. I think we could get, you know, a, a, a month or two of consolidation, but then over the more medium term, I think the Aussie should outperform uh, against the Kiwi because I think there's more of a chance that, that the RBA one tighten further and to maintain at their current level for longer than we see from the RBNZ. So for me, I'd be sitting on the sidelines for now, but but I do like this higher over the, the slightly longer run.
0: Awesome. Thank you for those comments.
1: Always a pleasure, Blake. Um, I've also chosen a chart from uh, a comment last week. I'm looking at Dollar Cad, and this has come in from, uh, I've lost the name, uh, Mike Burberry6692. For, forgive me, Mike, for, for forgetting your name. Thank you for, for your comments. Uh, Westie does indeed have some competition, and please give him something nice and difficult to look at on his return from the Outback <laughs> next week, just to make my day. Um, in any case, uh, Dollar Cad is, is actually an interesting one. Um, and I'm glad you've brought it up because we had a, a look down towards the 134 figure last week, which is also where the 100-day moving average comes in. And that came, obviously, as Brent and WTI continued to, to charge higher. Um, the, the, both of those blends crude actually, hitting their highest levels since November of last year. We, we've since seen the CAD give back some of its gains. Dollar bulls are certainly not giving things up without a fight, as we see elsewhere. And we've also had a bit of a pairing back of some of the hawkish BOS See pricing um, after that hotter than expected August inflation number that I think we touched on in last week's show. that The, the odds on another hike have, have come back a little bit when, when you look at the OIS curve over in Canada. So you've got a couple of ways to, to play this, really. Personally, I'd be, be looking to, to be long here. I've obviously, bullish on the dollar. I think we could get back up towards the August highs, which come in around the 137 figure. For those who like these sort of things, you've got a golden cross forming as well with the 50 day moving average starting to come up above its 200-day counterpart. And just below that 135 figure, which is absolutely key for for the pair at the moment, 134.60 is where that 200-day moving average comes in. And that could be a nice place to put a stop if you are long on the other side of that if we can get a closing break below those moving averages the 50 and the 200 day then you'd be looking to to flip short if if I were trading this probably initially looking to to the, the the prior low which comes in at 13380 that was the the low that we saw last week and then maybe even back down towards the 133 handle if this has legs so you can play this both ways there's interesting levels on either side but personally i think the the balance of risk favors the the upside here i I don't know about you, Blake.
0: You know, I, I actually favor the upside as well. I, I, this is the one thing that I, I have to throw out there. If, you, if you've taken a look at crude oil, crude oil's bull flag pattern does complete at ninety six. I'm pretty sure we've discussed crude oil several times over the course of the last couple of months or a few weeks, actually. And so, my my two cents about the dollar cat is it would be as a as a you know large crude oil exporter. If crude oil wasn't trading in the 90s, dollar cad would probably be closer to 138, 140 towards those range highs. And so what I'd be looking for is if you you see crude oil continue to rally and it gets towards the $9,500 level and it looks a little toppy, um, then you might start looking for the dollar cad to round out some sort of bottom and play it back to the upside because I think the dollar there's more to the dollar story than we see here. I still think that the dollar is gonna be the least dirty shirt in the, in the dirty hamper of all of these currencies, and uh, the dollar should outperform. So uh, with that being said, I favor the upside as well. I think key resistance is gonna be around that 137 level that will open us up to, towards 139, 140 moving forward. So anyway, Michael, a lot of great setups here. Hopefully you guys and gals are, are enjoying them. Make sure you give us a thumbs up if you are, but don't leave yet. Because we're going to give you our plays of the day. Well, Michael, my first we, you know we couldn't get away with not showing you the SP. so my first play of the day or my play of the day is going to be the s p 500 or what we'd like to call the spoos. And so I wanted to, to ask, is this enough or not even close? You know, if you look at the downside, we, this was our setup last week. we broke lower. Um, we were testing the ascending trend line. We are at 127 percent extension, and you'll notice in black we have an AB equals CD or an equal leg move that completed today. And you know, once we completed that equal leg move, we had about a you know 25 pound uh, point bounce in the S and P since then. And you know, the candle is a little bit of a I would say a long lower lower shadow Doji, and that means that if we get a bullish candle tomorrow, we're going to have a uh, 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 a um, a good morning cross, and you're gonna start to see uh, you know some bullish upside moves as we head into the end of the week. So the question is, do you trade it back to the long side or wait for a wait for a short, maybe above forty three hundred or do you think it breaks down and we see the two hundred day moving average next? That's the real question here. I think we've reached a lot of technical levels. The market's pretty bearish. So I'd be looking for a rally back to 4,300 to sell into, and that's going to be my play of the day.
1: Very good. I must admit, Blake, when I saw this picture of your chart earlier, I thought, what on earth has he done here? Um, (laughs) You've you've explained that very well, and we got a little lesson on the alphabet, and uh, I'm now off to read about Japanese candlestick patterns before I go to bed. So I appreciate (laughs) it, mate. Fantastic. (laughs) Right. Uh, I want to look at the euro um, this week, the horrible thing that it is. Um, Euro dollar cracked below the 105 handle uh, today, Wednesday, for the first time since January. And well, you can see on this chart the the huge level that it's been for the pair um, since the start of 2022, which is when this chart goes back to. But actually, if you want to bring up a chart yourself, since the inception of the euro, 105 has just been this huge level for the common currency, both in terms of support and resistance and defining more longer run trends. So I think we might chop around here for a little while. But overall, I think there's not particularly much going for the euro. The ECB are at terminal growth is deteriorating rapidly. And of course, on the other side of the equation, both sides of that dollar smile, US outperformance, that cleanest dirty shirt idea that you mentioned earlier, as well as the the haven demand that we're seeing for the greenback, both continuing to to work in the dollar's favour. So I'm looking to stay short euro dollar. As I said, I'm prepared for this to chop around a little bit, consolidate, maybe move back up towards 106 and a half, but over the next kind of 4 to 6 weeks I'm I'm looking for us to get nicely below 105. 103 and a half is is where I'd be initially looking to take a chunk of profit off, but actually I wouldn't rule out a further loss maybe even back down towards parity uh, in due course such as the the rather grim fate that that seems to be facing the the eurozone and the common currency at the moment.
0: Well, Michael, I'm so glad you brought up the euro. And you you said it crapped below 105. And I have to say, uh, here in the United States, we say it crapped the bed. So (laughs) (laughs) Michael, I want to say it has been an absolute pleasure uh, for the last, well, now two weeks being with you here on the trade-off uh, I know it's very difficult for you to uh, to to get up or stay up at these hours to do the show for us. So I want to I want to make sure that everybody back home gives Michael a big thumbs up. Tell him down in the comments below what you thought of his performance and tell him how much we're going to miss him, even when Westy does come back. But you can always catch him on the UK Trade Off show. So make sure you do so as well. Um, I want to thank everybody for sticking with us. Uh, and if you've, you've you've made it this far, make sure you do you know, like our videos, subscribe to the channel, get down in those comments, let us know those, uh, those charts you want to see, you know, us look at whether it's a setup or a play of the day. And uh, Michael, I have to say, thank you so much for being here with us.
1: No, thank you, mate. It's been good fun over the last couple of weeks. It's always good when we uh, get to work together and nice to keep Westy's seat warm for him. Um, I'm sure uh, you'll have fun when he's back next week. And uh, yeah, look forward to working with you again very, very soon indeed, mate. All right. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in this week on this week's the trade-off. We'll see
0: you next week. See you then. Bye for now.